What's up, guys? Welcome into your weekend edition of the OBR Film Breakdown, joined by Jared Mueller. Excited to bring you some some content, I think, on a couple interesting topics. Jared, what's happening, man? You know, nice uh, nice start to the weekend on this Friday rain day we're dealing with here. You know, going to get flooded away a little bit. It's gross. It's gross here in central <laughs> Ohio. I'm sure it's gross your way, too. So uh, we will try to bring some sunshine in a conversation. See what I did there? <laughs> there All right. You go. Hey, what I want to do is hit on a topic that I think is going to be interesting, and that's the patience the Browns have with with their with their first round kick or not first round, but their early selection of a kicker here, Cade York. So I kind of at the at the draft tweeted about the the necessary patience after watching like Zane Gonzalez and mm-hmm. and and Cyber. Like I wanted to have a conversation about what constitutes like the threshold for a successful season or not for him, because if we look at say, you know, some guys that have been in the first round of late. Um, and then we kind of look at like, okay, the, 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 the minimum here is Austin Seibert, right? So the Browns take Austin Seibert his first year in 2019. He goes 25 of 29. Pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, one of two from uh, 50 plus. He's nine of 12 from 40, uh, 40 to 49 and is uh, good on everything from 20 to 39. He does miss five extra points. And I feel like, that was kind of the threshold. But the thing that's interesting to me is they move off of him after one year at 25 of 29, one of two. Is it just like the, what do you think that the moving part is here? Because he was six of eight in, um, uh, with Cincinnati in 2020. So it's not like he was terrible there either. He was eight of eight on extra points. I mean, I guess yeah, I the Cleveland it. start in 2020, Jared, like where he goes one of, um, he actually misses a field goal, a forty-eight yarder. I don't know if that was was that the opener. I can't remember. An extra yeah, because he was gone yarder. really, really quickly. Yeah, I yeah, think it's what's interesting. interesting. Yeah, kickers. You know, I think from a fan base perspective, um, kickers are so difficult because they they are what they are, right? Like they 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 swing their leg, the ball goes through the upright, or it doesn't. And so for for fans and for media, especially because it's such a, a, a nuanced kind of position, it can be so difficult to really kind of get a grip on what's good, what's not good, what are we looking for, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but anybody that golfs, like Jake and I do, knows that you can literally barely turn your club uh, a, a centimeter, a small, whatever, a tiny amount, a millimeter. Uh, and all of a sudden the ball is a hundred yards away from where it would have been if you hadn't have done that. And so kicking is similar in a lot of ways. I mean, I've seen people say that, you know, where your shoelaces are and how you tie your shoe literally decides, you know, how the ball comes off your foot, like just all kinds of crazy stuff. So I think it's really hard because, you know, we remember the misses, right? You know, we remember all of that, like Justin Tucker, you know, missed two field goals last year. Uh, both of them between 40 and 49 yards. But we remember that he made, you know, six 50-yard field goals and didn't miss an extra point and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, we remember the misses so much more when it comes to kickers. Uh, But patience is really important. Um, Our guy Josh Keatley at the Browns Wire, you know, looked at uh, Cade's start to his uh, LSU career, and he missed uh, five of his first 10 kicks, right? And so – Things mm. like that happen. And then he's one of the few kickers that have ever come out as a, you know, come out with a year of el- eligibility. He's that good. But he missed five of his first 10 kicks in college. So 
you know, there's just a lot of little nuances to kicking that I think it's really hard to say when it comes to numbers. I think it's, do you see improvements? Do you see some level of consistency? Uh, you know, those kind of things are going to be really important. The problem is, is the Browns took them in the fourth round, right? And are a team that, and we'll talk about this in just a few minutes, uh, is a team that wants to compete. And so what are your backup options? Literally your backup options, if you don't stick with Cade York, are Chase McLaughlin and Chris Blewett, because there's like nobody on the free agent market that, uh, you know, will be available in the middle of the season who's going to be likely to be more consistent. Yeah, too. You know, you wanted the Browns to go sign, and, and I think Pete made a good point of this earlier in the week. You wanted the Browns to go sign a, a premier kicker on the market. Well, they ended up drafting one. So, you know, like there, there's people can be frustrated with that, whatever, but you, you needed to get talent there. I think they found talent. It's just about how it translates. Like, I'm trying to look at some other kickers' first years. Roberto Aguayo, the kid from Florida State who was taken 59th overall, he goes 22 of 31. He really struggled 40 of 49, 4 of 10 in that department, 32 of 34 on extra points. He never kicked again. That was the one year he was in the NFL. Never had a shot again. Never never made a roster. So 22 of 31 is the number there. So let's keep going through these. Um, Daniel Carlson, who plays, he gets drafted. Let's see. He was drafted, uh, I know, in the fifth he, round. So fifth 167. Round, yeah. So he was only taking, what, like 40 picks behind where, right. where Cade was selected. His start with Minnesota was was kind of rough. He's, he started, he played two games with Minnesota and went one of four. And they cut him. Like, they cut him. He was six of six on extra points. They cut him. He ends up in Oakland. What does he do in Oakland? 16 of 17 the rest of the year. 16 of 17 on all field goals, 3 of 3 from from 50, 18 of 18 on extra points. The next year was a little rough. He went 19 of 26 uh, for 73%, but that's the lowest he's been because the next two years, 33 of 35 for 94%. And, uh, yeah, 4 of 4 last from year, 50, right? Like, yeah. yeah, 40 of four, 40 of 43 last year, six of seven from 50 and 93% number. He's been crushing it. But that's an example of, hey, we picked this guy 167 and we gave up on him after two games, two games. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, Bananas. It's, it's crazy to me that you that that it's hard for teams to who understand football far better than I ever will at some level to understand just how difficult and interesting kicking a football is, right? We have control of things with our hands so much differently, so much better, you know, even different than kicking a soccer ball, which is round, you know, a a normal shape that's, you know, on the ground and you can kind of control and move around. You're literally hoping the angle of the ball that you're, you know, snapper and your holder, you know, there's just, again, so much to it. This isn't kicking off of a tee that they don't have that patience. And so, you know, for fans, you know, I'm going to encourage you try to throw a ball 10 times, see how accurate you can be, and then try to kick a ball 10 times and see how accurate you can be. Now, are kickers much better than you? Absolutely. Most of you probably, but it's still the same concept is we can be very, very accurate with our hands, not everybody, uh, but it's really, really hard to have that level of accuracy 
you know, with the football, with people rushing, with the timing, all of that. That's why we know about Justin Tucker, right? That's why we know his name. It's not just that he's good. It's that he is good, and it's very rare to find someone who is consistently good, staying on the same team. You know, you have Robbie Gold, who is is good, is bad, is now on, I think it's San Francisco. He's good again, right? It, it goes all over the place, and I've always compared it to middle relievers in Major League Baseball. You know, yeah. it's it's hard to know what's next, um, but it's important to realize just the complexity of kicking a football and the difficulty of having that accuracy especially when you add weather and, you know, all the other factors to it. Yeah. So Harrison Bucker, he was taken on the seventh round by Carolina ends up in KC that first year. Hmm. So Carolina moved on from him really quickly and he's been 90% essentially. So he goes 90%, So he's been really, he was strong right away. Really good. Tucker is an undrafted free agent. He goes 30 of 33 his first year in 2012 and then has been he had actually a, a relatively air quotes here rough year. It was <laughs> by 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 percentage marks uh, a pretty rough year uh, in 2015. He went 33 of 40. He was only four of 10 from field goals. Actually, a pretty rough two year stretch on the 50 yard field goal market for him. He went in 2014, four of nine and then four of 10. So those were his lowest numbers. But then after that, he figured it out where he had. It's 2019. He was 28 of 29. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. He's, it's kickers are crazy. You know, Evan McPherson almost got beat out by Austin Seibert last year, you know, in Cincinnati. Yeah. I remember the training camp. They'll obviously the revisionist history will be like, no, that didn't really happen. But even Zane Gonzalez, a, you know, a Cleveland draft pick, you know, he's had this up and down career, you know, his last three seasons last year with Carolina, 91%. The year before with Arizona, 73%. The year before with Arizona, 89%. Right. So you're, you have this kind of up and down kind of thing, you know, that it that becomes really hard to to feel like there's some consistency there. You can believe in what's happening. You know, the last three years, he's been over 95, 96%, you know, an extra points, uh, which is what he was at with the Browns in his rookie year. But again, yeah, kickers are so interesting. And I think uh, from a fan base perspective, we have to somehow get away from, and I think, you know, in media, especially on the, the broadcast, the assumptive nature of an extra point or a field goal, it, it does a, a disservice to how hard the job is that they do. And it does a disservice to fans because it sets them up for something that is just unrealistic. Oh, you're just going to make every one. And when you don't make it, it's a shock. No, I mean, these people making 90% of their field goals is generally a you know 90 some percent is a pretty darn good number. Right. And so they're not going to make all of them acting like it's a, a big shock or surprise. I think does a disservice to to what the kicking game actually is. Yeah, Sebastian Janikowski gets selected in the first <laughs> round in two thousand. After the being picked in the first round, he goes twenty two of thirty two, sixty eight percent. His first no pressure year. there at all on him. Yeah, huh? yeah. Then his third year, he goes twenty six of thirty three, seventy eight percent. He actually had another sixty percent season. He had a rough three years: oh five, oh six, oh seven, where he went sixty six percent, seventy two percent, seventy one percent. But he. uh he figured it out and ended up doing just fine. But there's a lot of patience there. He's a career 80% field goal kicker. And most of these guys who are in today's version are career 88 and above percent. But Evan McPherson's the interesting one, obviously. These two will be directly compared. Yep. Obviously, the, the, I think Cade York even admitted he came out early because he saw the success Evan had where he was picked and that he could come out early. He goes 22 of 33 last year. He kicked 11 50-yard attempts. That's a lot. 
of mm-hmm. 50 yard attempts. And he does well with them. He went nine of 11, 40 to 49. He went six of nine. He did well with extra points, 46 to 48. So that 84% threshold should be to me, the bar, like, right. Like that's the bar you would like to see Cade York kind of hover at or above. In my opinion, that's where would, would you would feel pretty comfortable, comfortable and confident in the first round uh, or first year. I don't know that they'll kick 11 50 yarders based <laughs> on how aggressive Kevin is, but they think he's got the leg to do that just like Evan. So that's where I think the threshold of, of 80, 84, 85% becomes the number. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, most likely to use the, the betting um, terminology. You know, I would fade the Bengals in a lot of ways. I'm not assuming Evan McPherson's going to kick that well from 50 yards again. Right. Obviously there's other improvements there, but um, you know, again, I think there's going to be some regression to a normal mean uh, again, is he Justin Tucker? I, I would doubt it, right? Who else has been Justin Tucker, right? Who else has been Mariano Rivera in, in, in save opportunities kind of thing? Uh, but it could be, right? But yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. And McPherson had a really good rookie year, right? So if, you know, if York's a little short of that, maybe that's okay, right? Maybe maybe it's okay not to ex- expect perfection because Cade York didn't decide to be drafted in the fourth round, right? That's a Browns decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not going to judge him based on where he's drafted. We can judge Andrew Barry, Mike Prefer, right. On where he was drafted, but Cade York was drafted in the fourth round by the Browns. He didn't decide to be drafted in the fourth round. You know, that, that doesn't make or decide how good he is or isn't that's on the Browns and that's analyzing the front office, not the player. Yeah. Even if he dips into like the seventies, I do hope they give him a couple years, it, partly because you have a rookie kicker with talent on four years and it's 4 million total. It's a million. It's cheap. They need that. So even if he does dip below 84 and it gets into maybe the high 70s, I'm definitely not pulling a Daniel Carlson here. I'm not being impatient. I think they need to be patient with him. Uh, I hope that I hope that happens. So um, we're going to be we're going to take a quick break uh, and come back from the break. We're going to have one more topic I think is going to be pretty important to this year. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Okay, Jared, I talked about this a little bit on Friday with John Colosimo, and the topic that I think is very important for this year is we're all very optimistic. And I, I think this pod, I may be the Debbie Downer podcast in this market, but whatever. It's <laughs> There is a suspension coming. I think we saw the suspension stuff maybe being pushed off to 23 based on the court situation and when they would end up getting together, not during football season, so on and so forth. But the NFL is down in Texas talking to Watson, doing the final steps of their investigation. It is still possible a suspension could get pushed off that they just want to wait until they get the civil court stuff. But it feels like they're ready. The NFL is ready to, to decide this and move on. And it's probably something Deshaun and his camp wants to move on from and just get an answer to. And so what I'm thinking with this year is we're all optimistic and we should be, you know, it's an improvement in talent and all of that. But what is the threshold for you of games lost to suspension that ends up just saying, throwing your hands in the air and being like, well, you can't really judge Kevin. You can't really judge Andrew and these guys. It's almost like a throwaway year now. Is there a threshold of games for you that the suspension comes out and you're like, okay, now this year is kind of a wash. I don't have any expectations for it. Um, you know, I think that's really, really hard for this specific reason. Last year, the Baker Mayfield played terrible, you know, he's injured all that. Like this is not a, a Baker Mayfield conversation, but we can just be honest. His performance on the field was not good last year and the Browns were eight and nine. Right. And so can a healthy Jacoby Brissett or Josh Dobbs, who shout out to the rocket scientist who just followed me on Twitter last night. Uh, Josh Dobbs, what's up, buddy? Um, but uh, so they were eight and nine with a, a really bad injured Baker Mayfield. Um, listen, I'll make the assumption Baker is not returning, but anything can happen. Right. So I think for me, it's really a hard conversation because I believe there's a lot of talent on the field and on the team that can can overcome the lack of Deshaun Watson. But I think when you talk about expectations, you're really talking about the playoff expectations. So I think anything more than than 10 to 12, you know, if it's in the 10 to 12 range, I think they should be able to compete for the playoffs, to be very honest with you. Um, so anything, you know, 12 or above probably is where I'm like, all right, that it's just going to be really hard. It's going to be a distraction. It's going to be hard for him to come back for those last, you know, five games, three games, four games, whatever it would be kind of that Josh Gordon suspension, uh, as a quarterback, that's really hard. And maybe they even pun on it and say, you know, we're still competing under with Jacoby reset. We don't try to, you know, ruffle the feathers now, try to, you know, we'll just play Watson next year kind of thing. I don't really know how that works or how they would work it. I do know that from everybody I've talked to, which I'm not going to pretend to have uh, Brad uh, Stainbrook's um, sources, but from everybody I've talked to, the current expectation is a pretty low number. Um, you know, that four to six kind of range, maybe eight at a max. And I think at eight games, even you're talking about a team that has enough offensive line running back quality receiver with Amari Cooper, David Njoku at tight end that and a, and a quality defense that they should expect to compete for the playoffs and more with Watson back under center. So I think 12 games is where I kind of wash my hands of the season. I think eight games is really where I say, okay, they should be able to get it all together for the last nine games of the season and really push into the playoffs and be a really quality team at that point in time. Yeah, eight games to me, I think they can come out of it. They could still come out of it four and four, largely because I feel good about the first four yep. games. So um, that's kind of the threshold. I think if it gets to 10, which we know the arbitration stuff is different now, and you really can't appeal down the way you used to be able to appeal down, 
So if they decide on 10, I think that's my threshold. If it's, if it's 10 or more, I think you're just like, man, it's really hard to overcome that with the type of, and, and no, no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett. I just, it's hard. Sure. It's, it's really right. hard for him to overcome. And I think the Browns are banking on Watson and proving several aspects of their offense independently being just who he is. So um, if it goes more than eight up to 10, I think you, I kind of throw my hands up and lose a lot of expectations. If it's eight, that's the max for me in terms of, I think they can keep the ship at least relatively decent until that point and then fight for a wild card spot. So I'm, I'm trying to give Browns fans an expectation set up here for what this suspension could look like and what the threshold is for holding a lot of people accountable for for how they perform without the quarterback that they went out and traded for. So and, and again, some people are going to judge Kevin harshly because you already don't like him and you don't like the way things went with Baker Mayfield. And I get that, but you also have to be realistic about backup quarterback talent, trying to do some things. And I think though, Jared, you, you made a great point about even without the good quarterback play, the way Baker played last year was pretty clearly backup quarterback level. They still were able to win eight games. So they should in theory, even if Watson misses more, be able to at least be competitive when eight, nine, ten potential games and the schedule sets up favorably as we know to do that too. So I think I'm at I'm at ten games. You said you're at twelve, Jared? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Twelve it is. So yeah, we'll see what happens with the suspension. Um but but I think like kind of identifying uh, those numbers I think are important to to look at a season and where it can happen. If if the suspension happened in the last portion of the season, which it wouldn't I would lose a lot of confidence. Oh, because, absolutely. That's totally different. <laughs> yeah, that, that schedule at the end of the year, I think, is pretty challenging for Cleveland, at least even the middle of the year where they have Tampa, Buffalo back-to-back, right? So it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. We're going to see what happens. Uh, I don't know when this suspension announcement will happen. Uh, Ian Rappaport yesterday said that they fully expect some some resolution to this thing by training camp. We'll see what the civil cases look like at that time, too, and Everybody can move on from it at this point. I don't know. You just got to throw Hall- your hands Hallelujah. Move on. Yeah. Try to move on from it. Jared, this was a fun episode, man. I appreciate your time and, uh, you know, have a have a great weekend, my friend. And and uh, and, and all the all the great stuff that comes with it. Looks like some decent weather might happen this weekend. Yes, sir. Let's let's enjoy it. And uh, we'll probably have to mow twice because of the rain and sun. <laughs> That's right, brother. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Absolutely. Take care. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it this weekend. As I said, I'm away pre-recording this, and I will be back on Monday, uh, Monday's podcast for anything that happens here on Friday into the weekend. So appreciate you guys checking out this podcast, continuing to support the OBR as you do uniquely on the Twitch, the website, or this podcast. It means the world to me. It means the world to us. Consider joining and subscribing with us. We would always appreciate that as well. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for checking out today's episode, and go Browns. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 